Okay. Uh, can everyone hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. At the end of last week, there was a um, Rashi that I sort of skipped over, and Hillel Greenwood jumped in. He wanted me to talk about this Rashi. Uh, it's uh, <coughs> Hill interpreted the Rashi in a unique way, which I don't think is what Rashi meant. It's certainly not what Rashi meant. Right? It says as follows. So there are two ways. Most before she. Hamishna interpreted as follows. It depends where a person's mind is at. The person's mind is in business all day. His mind can't be in Torah. A person's mind can be in one or two places. One person's mind cannot be everywhere at the same time. And a person is where his mind is. Yosef when he was in Mitzrayim, was physically located in Mitzrayim. At the beginning of Parsha Shmos, or even the end of Vayigash, it says that the people went down to Mitzrayim. How many people went down to Mitzrayim? Yosef, Menash, and Ephraim. But wait one second. It says, Yosef, Hoyeb, Mitzrayim. The answer is, Yosef was mentally in Eretz Canaan with Yaakov Avinu. Menashe and Ephraim were mentally in Eretz Canaan with Yaakov Avinu. Yosef came down with them because you are where your mind is at. And that is the nature of a human being. Now, with that in mind, if a person's mind is in Torah, he can do other things. But in the back of his mind, it's always in Torah. And a person whose mind is preoccupied with business has a star of learning, but he is where his mind is at. So that is how most Mephoshim interpret talking about Chochmah Satera. Rash says there's something else. It's the nature of people who make a lot of money that they think that they're experts in everything in this world. You see, Bill Gates has an entire Havana of what's going to be with coronavirus in three years. Bill Gates, what does he know about coronavirus? But if you make a lot of money, you know about everything. It's the nature of all people who think they, they know about everything just because they made money. And that's exactly what Rashi says. No, not everyone who made money understands the world or understands anything except exactly what it is that he's talking about. Rashi didn't mean, therefore, a person has to know everything. Just the opposite. Rashi, Rashi is telling us a very, very simple thing. As we'll read Rashi. He said, A person wants to understand the world. It's a person who wants to understand the world. Doesn't mean you have to understand the world. And that was a mistake, my dear Rabbi Hillel, you made last week. doesn't say you have to do it. But since it's the nature of people who make a lot of money to think that they understand everything, 
says, don't think just you made money understand it. You want to understand the world. Find out what the world's about. Now, this is a very interesting Mishnah. We began it last week. It said, because you killed, you were killed. And the one who killed you will be killed. Telling us about the Midas Hadin of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the exactitude and the detailed exactitude of the Midas Hadin of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And there are two things. The story of Reb Shimon Ben Shetach. Reb Shimon Ben Shetach ran in to chase someone, saw someone going with a dagger, chasing someone, and then he finally caught up with him. He saw him standing over him with a dagger, dripping with blood, and the other person stabbed to death. And he said, listen, it's clear to me that you killed him, but the Torah doesn't let me execute him. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do that for me because the din is Moshe to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And, and then a snake came out and killed him. It says that Abimises Besdin, and the Gemara says, even though nowadays you don't have the Abimises Besdin, but it doesn't mean Agarish Baruch who does not deal with people, and the Agarish Baruch who lets things just go by. Agarish Baruch who will apply the Abimises Besdin to people at his time and at his pace when he wants, and we have to understand. We do. We we execute a small part of the justice in this world, but Hashem who does it, but He does it in a very, very exact and precise way. And the Gemara in Baba Kama tells a story. The Gemara in Baba Kama tells a story that. There was a man who had a field and it's filled full of stones and rocks. And he was throwing the rocks and stones out into Shusarabim. Someone came up to him and says, why are you throwing things from a place that doesn't belong to you to a place that does belong to you? He says, what do you mean? It's my field. I said, but you're littering the Shusarabim with stones. People trip, people, people get hurt. My field, I can do what I want. Years later, the man comes back and what does he see? He, lo- he loses all of his property and now he's penniless and he's walking down the street and trips on the stones that he threw there. Then he understood. Shusharam belongs to everyone. Temporarily his field belonged to him. But we're telling us something very deep there. We're saying you create your own punishment. The punishment for doing that was exactly. And that's what the Gemara says. boy, you dig a boy, you'll fall into it. People create their own Gehenim. They create their own Ganadin. They come and they suffer from the results of their own actions. And that's what destroys them at the end. Now, 
with that in mind, so what does he say? Said two things. You died a violent death. Why did you die a violent death? Because you must have been responsible for somebody else's violent death. And the person who gave you a violent death, he'll also have violent. That means it's not only that you will die as a result. There's the Midas Hadina Vakarish Baruch Hu is exceedingly precise and exceedingly exact. And that is what Klai Yisrael saw at Kriyas Yamsuf and Mitzrayim Kibadovar Shezodole. They saw how their taskmasters were punished in a precise and exact way. We don't see the Midas Hadina Vakarish Baruch Hu. We don't see it at all. And since we don't see the Midas Hadina Vakarish Baruch Hu, we don't see that exactly. Once in history, Hakarish Baruch Hu showed it to us. He showed it to us there in Mitzrayim when he, there was a Gilish Shechina. He wanted to impress upon Klai Yisrael exactly how he runs this world. He, so what did he show him? He showed him that he controls nature. But he showed them something else. There's a Midas Hadin. And for there to be Makabal Amalfu Shamayim there in Kriyas Yamsuf, which they did with Hashem Yimloch Lolobed, and Malchusa Varotson Kibl Aleyah, Moshe and Shalachon Ushira, Vamrochulam, Nilchamoch, Obeyim Hashem. For them to do it, they had to see in such a precise manner exactly the Midas Hadin of Akarish Baruch. And what did Avu what did he tell him? Hill said, yes, the Midas Hadin of Kodesh Baruch is exact. You died a violent death, you caused somebody else to die a violent death. The one who gave you a violent death. Every time I see this Mishnah, reminded of a story. It's an incredible story. It's told to me, and and when I told it once, I had an interesting follow-up. It was in the middle of the Second World War. There were a group of Jews who had escaped. They were in Italy. And they were caught by Italian officials. And they were going to be returned to the Nazis. And Iron Kotler was working his head off to try to save them. And he couldn't find a way to do that. And someone told him that the only one who could save him save these people, would be someone, the head of the New York Mafia, who had connections in all of Italy. So immediately, Rebaran, nothing stood in his way when it came to saving a Jewish life. He says, take me, I have to see him. Uh, they, finally, okay, they finally brought him in, they introduced him as this great, fine, pious, holy rabbi. And, <clears throat> and Rebaran is very agitated Way was explaining it, and there was a inter- and there was a translator in between. And then the head of the mafia heard and says, "Yeah, he says I'll do it for you, Rabbi, on one condition. I want a blessing from you." So now the question was, for Byron, what sort of a blessing could give the head of the mafia? His next Ritzicha should be successful. His next Geneva should be. Su- well, what's he going to tell him? And Rabbi Aaron 
And then he turned to the translator and says, I want you to give me an exact translation of what the rabbi is going to say. So Byron told him, I'll give you a blessing that you will die in your bed. So the translator hesitated. He didn't know how the head of the mafia was going to re- react to this. He said, no, tell me exactly what the rabbi said. And he told them, he said, oh, that's a wonderful blessing. It means I won't be killed here. I won't be rubbed out here. I won't be shot here. <laughs> that's a story I heard. I told it once to a group of people. And someone says, I'll tell you the follow-up on it. Why? Because they heard it. The translator was the Reverend Queens. And someone in Queens told me the follow-up on it. Was that Enochanami, the fellow was Marach Yomim, And he died of natural causes in his bed. After the funeral, Rabiron was already in the Olamavis. The man's son who took over the mafia went and went to Lakewood, went to see Rip Schneier, says, I'll do anything for you. You give me the same blessing that your father gave my father. And Rip Schneier answered, I don't have those connections up in heaven that my father had. But the um, was every the people live these violent lives, and it's not stamp that the way it is. It's part of the Midas Hadina Bakanish Baruch. That the way you live and with the very you do, they will cause your own they will cause your own destruction. Huyonga. Marbe Bosar Marberima. Marba Bosa Marbarina. What does that mean? Marba Bosa Marbarima says, I'll give you an act of a story. I always think Otami and Yeshiva heard it from me, but I think it's very relevant here. When I first moved to Eretz Yisrael, I was living in Sanhedrin Mochevet 116, across the street from Chavetz Chaim which was then a very large act of Yeshiva. And all of a sudden, I get a knock on my door. And a young man standing there says, I say, I didn't know. I said, can I help you? He says, yes, I learn. I'm, I'm learning in Kolo in the base of there. And I heard that the American Rosh Hashiva came to town. And that I, I have a question. I want to ask you something. So what is it? He, t- he said I've been learning in Kolo. I just got an offer of an unbelievable fellowship. That time was an awful lot of money. It was a four-year fellowship at $20,000, 5000 a year for four years. And I'm very torn to take it or not take it. I love you. So he, I, he, I said, come in. No, no, no. He stood at the door. I looked at him. I said, tell me. You get a bigger chalik and all them have for taking the fellowship or a smaller chalik and all them have for taking He looked at me, turned around and ran away. I never knew the follow-up. Around 10 years later, I was asked to speak somewhere in London. And 
when I walked in, someone comes up to me, you changed my life. I said, Shalom Aleichem, who are you? I don't recognize you, I don't remember you. When did we have any contact? And he, that was a gentleman. What I did was I changed the focus of how he was thinking about life. Who are Yomer? So what did he say? Marva Bosa. There are people who are preoccupied with their bodies. Some people are into the fitness of their bodies. Some people are into the beauty of their bodies. All, all sorts of aspects of their bodies. And a little bit, I'm familiar with Western culture from here and there. Noticing how they write things up on the internet. This is the big thing. People are into their bodies. Preserving their bodies. At 80, you look at it like 30. At Whatever it is. Preserving your body. Some people are preoccupied. Not with the preserving their physical body. The pleasures of the body. When Tel Aviv in its decadent culture is described in tourist literature, it's called the temple of the body. That means they worship the body there. There's nothing spiritual. So what is the Mishnah saying? Marbabasa, Marbarina. What you're being preoccupied with is something that is a very temporary part of the world. You, when I got who created you, came to this world as a goof in the shop. One is here temporarily, and one is forever and ever and ever. That which is temporarily, it, it doesn't last. And to unregulate, what is it? It decays, falls apart, and doesn't last. There's no permanence. And when a person has to achieve perspective of what's important in this world and what's not important in this world. So what is, what lasts, and what doesn't last? There's one machokas from the Yetzatov and the Yetzara. The Yetzara says today. Yetzirah says tomorrow. That's the whole thing. There is no... There's, there's nothing else between them. Now, as a result, it is nothing else between them. So, what do we say? Marba Bosa. You marber the quality of your boss, or the pleasures of your boss, or the strength of your boss, or whatever it is. All you are, a marber something that's going to decay someday. There's no future. You take care of your neshama, something that lasts forever and ever and ever. First part of the mission. Marber There's a pers- but that's a perspective on the world. That's a perspective on the world. The perspective in this world is, you know, when you deal with a child, what is a child interested in playing with a toy? Playing with this toy for five minutes, another toy for five minutes, a mature person see, sees beyond the immediate and sees well, what are the long-term results I'm involved in. Marbin Nechosim, Marbidai. What do people... Everyone wants to get rich. It brings happiness. 
What do you get out of it? Oh, what do you get out of it? So first of all, don't think that you necessarily get happiness. Not necessarily true. Wealth and happiness don't go hand in hand. Just think of all the people who are sitting at home today. And they've seen how many people's money just flies out the window. Marba Nechosen, Marba Daika. Money does not bring happiness. Don't think that money brings happiness. Very, I remember one Sunday, around 25 years ago, someone was helping raise funds for the yeshiva. And we we're in a certain very well, wealthy area. He decided to visit 25 people he knew well. And we knock in every, and we walk up to this mansion and that mansion and this mansion and that mansion, knock on the door, and Spanish maid answers, Nisa Casa, not home. So after I finished, I looked around, yeah, the driveways are empty. Where are they? So they have this magnificent mansion. I said, well, I turned out to, to this person I was with. I said, unbelievable. They built these beautiful homes for the Spanish maids to enjoy. Because what are they doing? They're not busy enjoying it. They're busy running around the world. They're, they're busy chasing the next dollar. And after you have the next dollar, they chase the next dollar. All the Mishnah says is people chase different things. Some chase their bodies. Build your body, worship your body, pleasure your body. It's one group of people. It's very temporary. Marber Nechosim. It brings happiness. Gives you any satisfaction? No. Not very rarely. Marber Nechosim. So, as a time, so as the Mephorshim say. Marber Nechosim. So what is that? A person who one woman, this is Marbanoshim, one wife is not enough. I mean, he's a bunch of wives. He's so preoccupied with women that he's not going to be satisfied with only one woman. That's another preoccupation some people have. Preoccupation with women. So what does it say? And look at the Mepharshim, they say a very simple thing. You marry three wives. Why do you marry three wives? Because in order for your Taivas notion to be satisfied, one's not enough. But each one of these women wants to be your favorite. And they're going to do all sorts of shtick to be your favorite. And there's not going to be any Shalom bias there. And it's going to be a disaster. Don't think that just, that's a different preoccupation. Some people preoccupied with their body. Some people are preoccupied with money. Some people are preoccupied with with women. Marba Shvachos, Marba Zima. Marba Avod and Marba Gesa. Now here, you have a very, very interesting thing in Mepharshim. Why is it that people want to have 20 servants there and 20 servants there? 
they need that many servants? They don't need that many servants. How many servants do you need? Yeah? It's a sign of pride. A guy for how many people I can control. It's an ego issue. And that ego issue. So, it's a, it's a different taiva. This taiva is haguf. Okay, this taiva is hamaman. Taiva is notion. And this ego. It's a whole different type of taiva. Fortune described. So we get us the result. So here, what is it talking about? It's talking about a very, very simple thing. Not giving any Musa shmuz. It's talking about very, very simple. What are the practical consequences? Forget the mitzvah. Forget the Avodah Sakharish Baruch Forget everything. What are going to be the practical consequences of the life that these people are leading? So he's talking in very practical terms. Very practical terms. And he says an incredible thing. And many, and the Farshim talk about a lot of as the base of a certain famous sheets in Rambam, as Rukhaim explains it. If I have a whole bunch of people whom I'm controlling and they mashub it to me, so what is the nature of an Evid? An Evid has no private property. Nothing belongs to him. Anything that belongs to him belongs to the other. Now, it's in the human nature that people want something of their own that they can call their own. They want something that's me, that belongs to me. And since they want something that's me, that belongs to me, so that is the reason that a lot of people have the nature of an evidence to steal. You have all of these women who have no sense of identity whatsoever. No sense of identity. And because in the nature of an evil is there's no ego, there's no identity, there's no individual identity. All they are are tools for their master. When a woman has no sense of identity, so and she wants something, there's the only one way she gets it. With snus. So having a lot of shvachos isn't necessarily going to produce snus. A, people will take advantage of them. B, they want themselves to be taken advantage of because they can get something out of it because that's the only thing they can offer. The Ebed wants something. He wants some something of his own. A steal. Why is that my problem? That's their problem. No, 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 no. If I have an Evan, I have a Shrifcha, I'm responsible for their stealing and I'm responsible for this mess. And I'm and I and I have to bear the burden of it. The Rabbim writes, it's based on a mission of your dying. That basically, if my Evid is Mazik. I'm chayev to pay. Because we say, I have a responsibility to make sure my Evid doesn't steal. 
is not a masik. My shivcha is not a znos. And I'm responsible for it. So what? So the Ramah says, Rabchaim is the whole Abiyach and Rabchaim about this. That if I, why is the halacha that is potter? Because you create a situation if he ever knows that his Odin is going to be chayiv for any damage he does, he'll go and burn down someone's house in order to get back at his Odin. And that's intolerable. But Meikar Adin, the Odin is responsible for anything, everything, the Evan and the Shifchadu, because he's supposed to be in control of them. And the fact that you control them means you have responsibility about what they do. And you may do this in order to boost your ego. You have so many people who are subject that you control. But the bottom line is, a very simple bottom line, that you're going to bear a serious responsibility for all the inevitable averages these people are doing. Again, saying very, very practical talk. So what is it telling us? Telling us in all of these different things. Yes, they're part of the world. You have to take care of it. You have to take care of you, Guf. 100%. You need money. 100%. Normal life is a man's married to a woman. Every person needs a sense of identity. But when it gets out of control, it ends up destroying you. There's only one thing that the excess of it is good, and that's Torah. Mar b'Torah, Mar b'Chochma, Mar b'Torah, Mar b'Chaya, Mar b'Yeshiva, Mar b'Chochma, Mar b'Eitzah. Next week we'll go this and Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Mitzvah Shemblinetah. We'll continue next week. Any questions? Rebbe, in the story with Aaron Cutler, does that mean that the mafia boss uh, never killed anybody because uh, Shem wasn't punishing the guy? With oh, the- it meant that Rebbe said that this mafia boss was going to get uh, punished for all of his mafioso activity 100%. That's not a question. But in the schus, what did Rebbe Aaron Cutler promise him? In the schus of the mitzvah, of saving all those Jews there in Italy, at least in this world, he wouldn't get punished for that way. Okay? Okay, everyone have a wonderful Shabbos. Rabbi, isn't that a, yeah. it's more of a curse to say that you're going to get punished in the next world? He gave him what the man wanted. <laughs> right? If you would have known, was, then I'm not sure you would have wanted ah, that. That's not the guy. He gave him, he gave him what he wanted, right? <laughs> did he give him what he wanted? Yeah. He got what he wanted. What, what did he tell Rabbi Kala? If Rabbi Kala would have promised him, you'll have an unbelievable Gan he would have said, Rabbi, goodbye. <laughs> right? There's a Chachmah Rabbi to figure out what it is this man wants, how I can, and what I'm able to promise him. 
give him a bracha that his next retzicha should go well, his next neighbor should go well. The Baron can do that. Should die in his bed, that the schos is saving those Jews. His ownership should be postponed to the Olamemis, that he felt he could do. And, and, and he was right. Okay. Very good.